All right, this is InfoSec Decoded 60, Facebook's secret elite. And starting with me with one I found with the Chevy Bolt. You know, I don't know who would buy an American car. My whole life, the rule has been never buy an American car, and it continues to be that way. So if you buy the Chevy electric car, the Chevy Bolt, they explode. They catch fire <laughs> for no apparent reason, and they're not bothering to do anything about it. They recalled some of them and told people, oh, your version is fine. And then they said, oh, we'll recall them all. And they said, okay, I'll bring it in and have it fixed. They say, no, we're not ready with the fix. In fact, we're still arguing with the person. We don't even know the cause. And in the meantime, don't park it inside. Only charge the battery to like 80%. Uh, don't leave it plugged in overnight. And uh, it still might catch fire and have a good day. And the owners are like, wait a minute, what? And people are putting signs up on their garage saying, you cannot park a Chevy Bolt in here. If you're driving a Chevy Bolt, get lost. And people are like demanding that Chevy buy it back. And apparently if you call your dealer and make a big stink, you can talk them into buying your individual car back. But there's 141,000 of them out there that are just waiting for further information. They say, we're not really sure if it's the battery or what it is, but they do catch fire now and then. <laughs> and that's, that's like even more than I would expect that you get from buying an American car. But, you know, anyway, I'm glad I didn't get a Chevy Bolt. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, all right. And Liz has got a fake model. Yeah. So this uh, uh, AI, AI, uh, AI generated uh, model has gotten a um, hundred different sponsorships for social media um, um, companies that advertise on social media and uh, is on track to make almost a million dollars in a year, which is pretty wild. So These pictures are really good. They really they look are, like a real person. They are really good. Um, I thought so too. Um, and they, uh, you know, the, the uh, company that created her said, well, she'll be, she'll be 22 forever and she'll never have any like booze or drug scandals or anything like that, like a, a real model or actress might. And uh, so it's just great. And these, the um, companies that are offering sponsorships love it. So so she'll be advertising Coca-Cola or something? Right. Yeah, well, this is uh, this is the brave new world we all saw coming for a while, like the, the deep fakes. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's, so people think about, oh, well, uh, you know, robots are coming for our, like, monotonous jobs, like uh, assembly line and service industry jobs. But uh, it, it even applies further than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, now all they need to do is make robots to like click on the ads and watch the ads and they can just wipe us all out. Right. Make it, bring it full circle. Um, so. All right. And Irvin. Yeah. The, I actually updated my iPhone. It was pretty annoying, but. Did you now? We're supposed to update our iPhone, they say. Yes. Uh, Apple has fixed the hole for that zero click flaw from Pegasus on the Pegasus spyware. It went out yesterday morning. And a bunch of people were surprised that it just popped out of nowhere. But it does fix that that uh, hole. And even the US cert said patch it. And you know, I have saw some people get pushback. You know, this has been a, a, a zero day exploited since February. And undoubtedly, the NSO has another five of them. 
that you can't patch. So I wonder if you're actually accomplishing anything by patching it now. If you were a target, they probably owned you in February. And if you're a target, they'll probably own you tomorrow with the next one. In a way, all we're doing is advertising the NSO group. In a way, and it also kind of feels like the cartoon where uh, the hose has one hole, so you patch that hole, and then another hole opens, you patch that with another finger, another finger, another finger, so you run yep. out. Yep, and, and it's also the same thing we always talk about, this privacy stuff. The NSO group says, we provide law enforcement tools to save lives, but what they're really doing is uh, the Saudi government is targeting the journalists that criticize them and stuff. Yeah. The same old thing. The people in power, their idea of a security threat is something that threatens their power. Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of true. I don't know. Anyway, so I actually updated my phone because I hadn't in a long time. And I said, well, all right. And now I have like company data from my clients and stuff. I say, well, I guess I have to obey the. I, I think it was just meaningless compliance. Now I can say, well, I put on a patch, so you can't blame me. It's not like I really think it's going to do anything. <laughs> it's, it's mm. a, it's a matter of now. Now I can deflect the blame. <laughs> anyway, all right. Now Alan's, ah, Alan's got the greatest one. Facebook secret elite. I thought this was a very exciting article. Well, yes, it's a big story. It turns out that Facebook has a different set of standards for different users. Just like everybody. Just like everybody else, I guess. And of course, with Facebook, like most social media platforms, if you violate their terms of use, then you will get kicked off the platform and you will lose your account. Your account will be wiped out. But for approximately 5.8 million users on Facebook, that is not true because they are considered VIPs and they are placed on what's called the X check list. And people, notables on this X check list include Donald Trump, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and of course, Mark Zuckerberg himself. And what it comes down to is these people can get away with a lot more. They can do things that are very clearly in violation of the terms, and yet their account will still remain up. And Facebook knows this is a problem. Um, and according to the Wall Street Journal, which got its hands on some internal Facebook communication, um, the Facebook people said things internally, such as, uh, these, this VIP program poses numerous legal compliance and legitimacy risks for the company. And also we are not actually doing what we say we do publicly. Mm -hmm. And unlike the rest of our community, these people can violate our standards without any consequences and it constitutes a breach of trust. So internally, Facebook knows this is a problem, but uh, for whatever reasons, and, and this is not explained in the article, it appears that Facebook has decided that there is a, a, a business case here for allowing these ex-check people, VIPs, to continue doing what they're doing. Well, they drive a tremendous amount of engagement. Yeah. And uh, apparently in 2020, um, posts that were... Uh, posts by VIPs within XCheck were viewed over 16 billion times before some of the objectionable ones were removed. So among the objectionable posts by uh, VIPs, they were still viewed billions of times before they were taken down. 
right. So your profit comes from those people. So obviously you don't want to take that stuff down. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I was impressed by the fact that, you know, they have this uh, sports figure that posted nude pictures of his ex-girlfriend and they just left it up for a day and didn't punish him because it well, was big clicks. Yes. Not, not, not a ex-girlfriend, but a woman who is accusing him of sexual assault. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then, and then, the part where they lied to their own oversight board. They say they spent $150 million to make the independent oversight board and then sent them false information to make their judgment on. Yeah. So it just seems like Facebook is, uh, is just thoroughly corrupt through and through and everything they do is just performative to make it look like they're doing something when in fact, they're just exploiting the situation to rake in all the money possible. Yes. And I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop when they finally fess up to the fact that most of the engagement's driven by bots. Well, I, I think everybody, I thought everybody knew that, but I don't think they want that because those bots uh, aren't really making them money. Although I know Google for a long time would charge you money for the bots clicking your links to where a lot of people started getting mad. And I think they actually put in some protection against that. Facebook may still be doing that. That oh, would be I'm weird. sure they are. And by the way, this is based on no evidence whatsoever other yeah. than personal conviction, but I, it is kind of an open secret. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's another fair statement. Yeah, and the other thing, of course, is that Facebook uh, is very strong political views, and they make their money by allying with important political figures. Yes. And a lot of their money comes from the, uh, the money laundering of political candidates of how to take their political contributions and money launder it into their pocket. Anyway, the um, yeah, well, it's a pretty corrupt world. <laughs> anyway, so then we got uh, back to me. Oh, oh yeah, with more Facebook stuff, a different one. Um, Facebook is running a lot of anti-abortion ads, and I knew that if you, there are these abortion clinics run by Catholics who will like pretend to be abortion clinics, but when you go there, they will just try to talk you out of getting an abortion, or in fact, lie to you and tell you that there's some medical reason you can't get it until later to delay you until it's not legal or uh, tell you that you can't get it for this reason or that reason to trick you into not getting your abortion. But there's also, I didn't know this, the same kind of people, I guess, that tell gay people they can go to gay conversion therapy and stop being gay. They tell women who have taken the abortion pill, RU486 or whatever the modern version is, that you can change your mind and take another pill to cancel out the consequence of the abortion pill and have the baby after all which it turns out is entirely false and incredibly dangerous. And it kills people. <laughs> you, it creates a lot of bleeding and everything. Take something like a massive dose of progesterone to make up for the abortion pill you took. And there's some, they got some doctor who knows nothing about it to push this. And they're running ads to try to convince women that a lot of women changed their mind after taking the abortion pill. And Facebook's, of course, uh, making money selling these ads. Is this the onion? What is this? Uh no, this is just as real. It doesn't even that doesn't even make sense. Progestin's a birth control pill. I know, but of course, the, the way these pills work is by they affect your hormones, and they try to cancel it out with another hormone. And apparently, the result is you screw everything up, and now you bleed, and God knows what happens to you. I mean, has this ever worked? Uh, I doubt it. I think there's some guy who's like an eye doctor claiming it works, just sort of like all the Trump. COVID remedies like uh, the ivermectin or that horse, yeah, ivermectin. They got some debunked doctor to claim it saved people. And of course, 
how many women actually changed their mind after taking the abortion pill anyway? I do not think this is a popular thing like they're trying to make it seem. Well, that depends on if they get bullied, guilted, and misled into doing it or not. Yes, there's that. Anyway, um, so they're, they're uh, exposing some of these crazy ads. And I think we're going to see a whole lot more of this now that uh, the South is turning into Gilead and they're all going to outlaw abortion. We're going to go back to the time before you people were born that I lived through in the 60s when abortion was illegal all over the place. And there were all these crazy back alley abortion techniques and scandalous secrets. Uh, looks like we're headed back there. Anyway, mm. but these home pills seem like the obvious solution. The home pill has a 99.5% chance of working with no serious side effects. So obviously, you just go on, on the dark web, you buy an illegal abortion pill, and you use that in Texas. That should seem to be the clear thing to do. Anyway, um, all right. And so Liz has got Privateer, which I wish I knew more about. Yeah. So um, as as is now the trendy thing uh, amongst uh, tech magnates, uh, my favorite tech magnate, uh, Steve Wozniak, is uh, starting his own uh, private space company. But uh, as usual, the Woz is do doing something way cooler than the rest of them. He's not putting on a cowboy hat and, and boarding a phallic-shaped uh, rocket to the stars. Instead, he is looking into doing things like cleaning up space junk. Um, and that is one of their, that's one of their um, first uh, stated goals is to come up with ways to um, collect some of the um, uh, uh, space junk that's floating around and uh, that could make it difficult to maintain um, safe orbit uh, at, at, for, at certain altitudes. Yeah, I hope that's true. I mean, what I started, they were sort of guessing that might be what it was about. He's been pretty unclear. Um, he was. There was another article that I read uh, that where they explicitly said that they were going to uh, focus on cleaning up space debris. So well, that's great. I mean, I've had the same feeling ever since you know, like the last six months. I've been seeing all these articles about space debris and saying, "Man, we got to do something about it." But it's a serious technological challenge. Yeah, absolutely. It's like cleaning all the plastic out of the ocean. You know, once yeah. you create a mess, it's really hard to like find every little piece and pick it up. Um, sure. And I think one of the first things they're going to do is start off by monitoring it and um, putting together stats on it because you know there's we do have some data on that, but it's it's sort of limited. So um, <clears throat> by uh, by figuring out what we're dealing with, that's the good first step to um, cleaning it up. I can imagine the first couple of missions that go up there and try to sweep it up and accidentally break it up and make it smaller and make a problem worse. I can easily see that happening. I think that's one of the biggest <coughs> issues is that um, a lot of the uh, space junk isn't what we would think of as being big chunks of rusty metal, but it's small particles that are causing the problem. So, yep. And that's, there's a name for that. Somebody's effect where if they start yeah. colliding, then more Kessler, Kessler effect, I think something like that. And so, and we're very close to that. So, I mean, one catastrophic yeah. event would be the end of our space travel. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, Kessler syndrome. Yeah. I think. 
Um, but uh, I, it's 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 going to be interesting, um, and I think it's I think it's a really noble goal. And uh, you know, again, that's that's just one one of the many reasons that the Waz is my favorite tech magnate. So yeah, yeah. you know, just doing something cool. I've thought about it a lot. You wonder if there's some way to stick up a giant wad of chewing gum or something sticky up there to like <laughs> capture all the junk and bring it down. Yeah. yeah. Or you know, uh, yeah. I uh, mean. Why not just hurl it to the sun? If you could get it there, that would be fine. You need, you need to somehow vaporize it or something. They've got to be, but it's, it's since it's all like made of metal and moving at like a thousand miles a second, it's kind of hard to think of what you would catch it with. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. I can't wait to see what they come up with because yeah. I'm sure it's going to be cool technology. Yeah. All right. Irvin has got Vermilion Strike. So this is a fun, uh, fun little read. Mm -hmm. There is a Cobalt Strike. Apparently, is only for Windows. There is no official version for Linux. So somebody got the bright idea of taking one of the the features, the thing called Beacon, mm -hmm. uh, apply it for Linux, deploy it on certain certain uh, uh, targets. And it works with Cobalt Strike. Yep. Uh, so there's there's a much deeper technical analysis for anybody who wants to read about it. But basically, it it is allowing this this feature of Cobalt Strike to work on Linux, and nobody has a uh, a signature for it. They ran it on VirusTotal, and nobody popped up anything. Uh, so it's fully undetected as of now. Yeah, you know, the thing that's bothered me, Cobalt Strike is all over the press. It's used by pen, professional pen testers all the time, and it's used by a lot of criminal gangs. It's And they say it's pretty much like Metasploit, but it's better, and it's really expensive, $3,500 a year for a license, and there is no open source version of the server. And so I would like to have projects where students practice detecting the beacons, but the problem is there are many beacons you can put on that are free, but there is no server. So I can't like make the beacon actually work without paying $3,500 to get Cobalt Strike or applying for a 30-day trial license that you have to get approval for, which is something my students can't do. So this is a drag. I wish somebody would give us an open source implementation of the server side so I could make this traffic and students could practice detecting this traffic. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that's why when I first saw this, I thought that's what it was. And I was looking through it yesterday, trying to write the project. And I said, wait a minute, there's nothing for the server side. This is no fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. All right, and Alan has got um, Kenya. Just information in Kenya. Yes, and another social media platform implicated in this. Um, a couple of Mozilla fellows have written a report on the use of disinformation campaigns on Twitter in Kenya. And uh, this involves over a hundred different accounts or a hundred different uh, prominent Twitter users in Kenya. And it found that uh, in this report, they found that these campaigns pay out pretty well. So these various compromise, well, can't call them compromised accounts, but these participating Twitter users get paid between 10 to $15 uh, per day, uh, three campaigns per day. And that uh, Twitter, Twitter's own algorithms, recommendation algorithms amplify these campaigns. So even though it's a relatively small number of people doing this, 
the messages get amplified very effectively. And um, oftentimes these campaigns are designed to target particular political figures. Um, and so uh, there's certain political movements uh, and the Kenyan judiciary in particular. So whoever's behind these campaigns has a particular target in mind and then mobilizes this pool of 100 plus different prominent Twitter users uh, in Kenya to get the message out. And this includes verified accounts too. So those accounts with the blue check, this is the coveted blue check that people on Twitter seem to, to want. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of participants have this blue check. So um, this, is, this is not just bots doing this. This is people who have large followings and are prominent on Twitter who've basically sold out their platform or their, their, their account so that they can make some, some money participating in these campaigns, and all to a political end. So you, we hear a lot about political um, posts and manipulation in the context of American politics, but it, based on this, it's clear that it's happening in Kenya and I'm sure in many other countries too. And uh, so uh, political disinformation, pol political manipulation for pay campaigns uh, seem to be a part of the political landscape, social media landscape, just about everywhere in the world yeah and i mean i i i can see it in america i'm impressed for example you know trump made the big lie that he lost the election because it was rigged then they started this fake audit in arizona which they never finished and never published any results from but of course that's fine because all they're trying to do is manufacture doubt there is an investigation that's why all trump wanted was them uh the guys in uh Estonia, uh that other country uh the Russian Republic, to say there is an investigation into Biden's son. Because all you have to do is start a rumor based on nothing, and that can have huge political consequences. So it's a, this is, I think, an old technique, but the social media are just a new way to do it. Yes, well, social media makes propaganda far more effective. Well, I think, it, I think what you have to do is you have to craft a message that people will enjoy hearing and find interesting and repeat. So you have to carefully come up with a message that will resonate, which was Trump's genius. He would come up with a lie that would sound good to his followers. For example, when you tell them something else, like to take the vaccine, they don't want to hear it, it won't work. And like the number one thing I hear all the time is people paying social medias to advertise their product. And that totally doesn't work. I mean... When somebody famous tells you to drink Coca-Cola, you don't drink Coca-Cola. You just sort of hate them for being an obvious shill. But if they tell you that horse dewormer will cure COVID, then you want to believe it because that's exciting and fun. And that makes you feel powerful and like you're rebelling against the man. Whereas drinking Coca-Cola doesn't. Yes, yes. I, I have to now I have to find a study on this by some yeah. psychologist. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's all in messaging. This has been a huge yeah. issue for the last 30 years, how to make a viral message. And the viral things are things that are fun and you want to share them. And the cheap commercial imitations of something that's supposed to, they think is going to go viral is sort of condescending and disgusting and you don't want to share it. Right. They always fail. Well, I bet there are some that succeed. And I, that was Trump's genius. I mean, he's the world's greatest reality star. He knows how to say things that will resonate and be exciting and make you want to repeat them and share them. Anyway, um, 
All right. And then we're back to, right. Okay. We're back to Windshark. I was surprised I got this one instead of Irvin. So uh, you can take Windows event logs and feed them into Wireshark. Uh, Wireshark can take non-network data, like it can read USB data. And I didn't know you could do this, but it's how you can feed event logs into Wireshark and you can feed Sysmon, which is the Microsoft tool to make much more informative, useful events and feed it into Wireshark and filter it the Wireshark filter. Now, so this is like a poor man Spunk. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'll write a project about it. My first feeling is, well, you should just use Spunk. But the fact is, this might be easier to use. I don't know. I should probably check it out. Now you can use Wireshark filters to filter your event logs. It would be great to be able to put both the network log or the, the network packets and Windshark in the same file. Because it looked like you have to do one or the other. Well, I that's true. I wouldn't be surprised if you have to do one or the other. I mean, they really are completely different kinds of data. They are, but it'd be great to correlate the two together. When this well, event happened, here are the packets that came with it. Well, then you might as well have Splunk. But anyway, I'm... Uh... <laughs> Anyway, I'm I'm uh, I guess I'm going to have to play with it and see how it is, and maybe add it to my instant response class. Yeah, see how useful it is. It might serve a purpose for for certain use cases. It might yeah, be a good uh, educational tool, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. And so Liz has got organoids. This is so cool. So these uh, researchers have figured out how they could. Um, grow tiny replicas of the human pancreas. Um, and uh, it's, it's just such a neat, um, <clears throat> such a neat uh, area of research uh, where they've, they've come up with some kind of uh, gel that uh, uh, allows them to take cells and grow uh, these um, small representations of organs within the gel. And it's, it's just it really, um, it's really a huge step forward in terms of being able to uh, grow replacement organs um, for people. And uh, it's pretty exciting. I mean, they've, they've also found out ways to um, grow uh, tissues like intestinal tissue and uh, endometrial tissue. Um, so this could have a, a really huge uh, impact on um, cancer treatment in the future. So um, three cheers to these scientists. And I, I hope they, they continue to make a lot of really great progress with this project because it is, it is really groundbreaking and has a lot of really positive impl implications for um, healthcare going forward. Oh yeah, yeah. If they can 3D print and grow organs, we can really move into like the uh, the robot revolution where you just replace your body and keep going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I, I think you know we are making strides in that uh, area. Uh, however, there's a long way to go. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. All right, and and Irvin has got Wi-Fi counting you. So this is a continuation of research that's being done on how to count people in an area with just Wi-Fi. Uh, the first one, the first round, uh, people had to be moving around or had to have a device on them. 
uh, this round they were able to do it without people uh, moving able to send Wi-Fi signal from one device to another and count the people in between yep it, it's interesting research curious to see how we can use it for security reasons well the one I saw years ago an early version of this cops would use it to shine into a room to see how many people are in there because there's like a hostage situation. You can see through walls to low resolution. So you can tell how many people there are and whether they're carrying a big metal object like a gun. So, you know, seeing through walls has a lot of consequences. Yeah, like X-ray vision. Uh, yeah, curious to see if that can be done with Wi-Fi, if you can see metal objects with Wi-Fi. Yeah, apparently you can to some extent, but it's a it's an area of developing research. Well, just like this, it's still developing. Yeah, because Wi-Fi is centimeter waves. You'll have resolution of a few centimeters, which is good enough to, like, count the people. Yeah. And tell you approximately where they are. Probably good enough to do something like aim a sniper rifle through the wall and shoot them, which is quite valuable. Yeah. All right. And Alan has got ExpressVPN. More news from the world of security adjacent uh, mergers and acquisitions. Cape Technologies, an Israeli company, has purchased ExpressVPN for $936 million, which seems like an exorbitant sum for just another one of many VPN companies. Well, I think it's but, the leader. Anyway, go ahead. Well, uh, if it's a leader, it's not all that impressive because uh, ExpressVPN is a private entity, but thanks to this acquisition, some news about its operations have, have turned up. And uh, ExpressVPN has about 3 million customers, only 3 million customers, mm -hmm. and about 40% of those are in North America. And it had in 2020 revenue of about $279 million. Mm -hmm. So that's not exactly chump change, but on the other hand, um, that's not all that impressive. But anyway, um, I had never heard of Cape Technologies, but it turns out that they're becoming something of a player in the VPN space because not only have they acquired ExpressVPN, they also previously acquired private internet access and CyberGhost VPN. So they now own three sizable VPN properties, uh, in addition to Intego Antivirus and also um, ZenMate VPN. So I guess we're now entering the phase of VPN consolidation. There was that period several years ago where it seemed like there is there were new VPNs proliferating every every month, but now it appears that the industry's gone into this consolidation phase, and uh, you know the the privacy and the anonymization uh, capabilities of these VPNs has always been suspect, especially in the face of uh, subpoenas and uh, such from governments. So, um, uh, you know, you have to wonder how many of these are just honeypots with a, a fee attached to them. Well, I also highly wonder how much does an average user really need a VPN? 
I mean, especially at home, I'm not sure there's any actual security benefit. Now, in a coffee house, there's some. The main, the only reason I ever really used a VPN was to evade the filters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think there are two uses for uh, home from home. Uh, one is evading filters. Yes. The other big one is torrenting. Oh, but but if it's a commercial VPN, you're not actually hiding your identity or anything. No, no, you're not. So I'm but not you sure are making it hard enough. Well, and so, that's surprising because, I mean, if you don't turn on a VPN, all they have to do is send a subpoena to Comcast. If you use a VPN, they need to send a subpoena to your VPN provider. So what's the difference? Well, I mean, the difference is, is that it doesn't it make it harder for when you're sending the, the traffic through an encrypted tunnel, it makes it harder for the uh, ISP to see what you're doing. No, at the end of the tunnel is when everything comes out. Yeah, but I mean, the way they do it is when you download a movie, 5% of the trackers are the RIAA serving up the movie, sure. who's copying it from us. So and now they totally know that you are torrenting and they know it goes to the VPN company, just like the other way. They know it just it goes to Comcast. So then they send a subpoena to Comcast, really send a letter to Comcast saying, you better punish these customers or we're going to sue you. Yeah, but that's that only that's only if you're dumb enough to click on a if you, that's only if you're dumb enough to click on a bad uh, uh, torrent file. Well, how do people know the difference? Most of them don't. They're, they're just clicking yeah. around and, and trying to make trying to. That's true. That's true. Um, well, you have so, to updates to your torrent software to avoid these trackers, but mm -hmm. that's you get caught when you don't do that. And, well, and they also will send like. Uh, letters to comcast saying how many people are targeting you better do something about it and then they'll try to block it and stuff mm -hmm. well the thing about the vpns is that many of them have claimed that they don't do any logging well yeah claimed yeah and so at least it, it makes it somewhat more difficult for them to ascertain who is actually doing the torrenting so in that case it's like cryptocurrency the purpose of it is to commit crime Yes. Well, okay. That's that's kind of what I thought, and that's kind of the last article in this uh, last sentence in this article. They say this company that bought them used to just make scareware. <laughs> right. Yes. So it is pretty much shady, semi-criminal activities, and running these VPN companies is largely, you know, I think a matter of scaring people with fake security claims. Like I'm pretty angry. I listen to podcasts. And they all say, are you tired of Google tracking you where ads pay for our VPN service? And I'm like, that's not going to do a damn thing to stop Google from tracking you. That's right. garbage. Right. Right. Well, and there's good reason to be skeptical of these VPNs. Yeah. Uh, I did some research into private internet access. Uh, well, it's been a few years now. And I have to say their structure is extremely convoluted. Mm -hmm. and more than a little shady shall we say yeah yeah i mean now you could you could i i've got hacked at defcon and if i'd been using a vpn i wouldn't have been if you're carrying your laptop into untrusted wi-fi networks then it kind of makes sense to use a vpn but you know it'd be better to set up your own right just set up your own but see, if you hard. set up your own then you wouldn't be protected if you're committing crimes yes and i think that's 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 just like um the reason people go into cryptocurrency is for money laundering and tax evasion. This is uh, the privacy advocates pretend there's a high-minded reason to do this, but that's like 
95% is people who want to commit crimes. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this one. And we'll, what is it? Tuesday, we'll be back on Friday. Oh, today's voting day. It is. That's true. If you haven't uh, voted in the California recall, today's your last day to do that. So you can state your opinion about Larry Elder, or maybe you can like commit fraud and then Larry Elder will have something to complain about. 